Welcome back to another episode of Ales with Aslan, your weekly therapy session for those who sell for a living and those who help those who sell for a living. And well, we, we got Mark Lampson back. We found him. He's been wandering the virtual halls, putting his boat away for the winter, celebrating Turkey Day. Uh, and we're going to bring him out of hibernation, a brief one, and talk about the four challenges prospects are having with the new virtual buying process. We've uh, seen it firsthand and we think it might be uh, super helpful for you guys. But first, we need to see what's cold, frosty, and refreshing in your hand. What do you got there? I was uh, initially worried that we were showing up with a, a duplicate, but then upon further review, I realized it's a slight deviation. There I is too, a variation. It's a good point. Yeah. Uh, I too have a Sam seasonal. Yes. Uh, I'm a preference of the cold snap white ale. A little harder to find. Pure Liquors, yep. Narragansett, Rhode Island, you'll find it. Uh, what are your usual questions? 5.3 ABV yep. and yep. Ibis uh, 10, 10 Ibises. 10 IBUs. 10 IBUs, International mm -hmm. Bitterness Units. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're going to love Second that. Second one of the year. Second one of the year. That, ah. is, um, that is absolutely one of my, uh, my favorites. This, this is, a, I guess, a, a sister of that beverage. This is the winter lager from Sam. Um, I love the special ingredients involved in this one. We've got a little cinnamon, ginger, and orange peel, which I think, you know, is a little bit celebratory and kind of fun. It's a deep ruby brown. It's got a 5.6, so I have you beat by 0.3%. Uh, and my IBUs are 22. What were yours again? 10. Yeah. And the calories are kind of smudged off, and I think that's good because this is probably not 95 calories is my guess. <laughs> can we focus on quality, not quantity? I mean, is that really important? I'm sorry. Pot, this is the kettle. You're black. You're going to focus on quality over quantity. You. Mm -hmm. Okay. Coors Light is not beer. That's not beer. It's Coors Light. All right. Fine. Well, here's to uh, the start Cheers. of the holiday season. Here we are, Cheers. early December. Oh, that's tasty. <clears throat> so I trust you had a good Thanksgiving. Everything is well. I did. A lot to be grateful for. Oh, yeah. And uh, despite the world we're in, ready to get back and helping, uh, helping some people. Yeah, yeah. We, we do want to apologize for not having a podcast uh, last week. But in the short week, we just we ran out of time. And so we didn't, uh, we didn't post anything last week. So we'll make it up. We're going to have five in December because of the long December month. So no, I'm really excited tough. to I mean, get, I get started. It. I get that it's tough. You have to get a microphone and you have to talk for 20 minutes. So I, I, I get the just absolute enormous hurdle that our marketing department has in getting out a podcast once I, a week, even though I you only have three days. And for that, I, I am sorry for our marketing departments. Don't appreciate this at all. This is no way to start Advent in the holiday season to be that sort of upsetting to me. And it Bob makes me feel sad. Let's go. You don't, <laughs> don't care about this. What are we talking about? <laughs> Well, four challenges that we've observed that our prospects are, are starting to have, not starting to have, have kind of been having throughout the last, what, nine months or so with this new virtual buying process. I mean, we think it's hard from a selling perspective. Let's, let's twist this thing around and look at it through the eyes of, of the client, what they're going through. And we've kind of identified, what, four major areas where things are different for them. And so let's pick those apart uh, individually and kind of come up with some ways that maybe us as sales reps and sales leaders can, can maybe guide them uh, 
and make them more comfortable with this new virtual buying process. So let's get started. We've, we've kind of talked about number one before, right? This idea that everybody, not just clients, not just prospects, everybody is more distracted than, than they were nine months ago, right? Everything mm -hmm. changed. Things continue to change. Things continue to be just more difficult in some areas where there's just too much uncertainty. There was the election with an uncertainty. There was, there's, there's the uncertainty of, you know, companies and, and how, how long some can stay in business. So this idea of prospects are distracted. Let's unpack that one a little bit. So uh, all the things you just mentioned and uh, you know, I, I'll back up and say these things are really from a recent meeting we had internally. We're, we're assessing our own sales deals and sales yeah. process. And we're, we're all noticing things that are happening on the customer side, prospects, customer, call it what you want. But uh, you know, I think we've all, we all are under more stress than we realize. Because most of us, uh, I should say most, I mean, I think everybody has a, has a level of uncertainty about the future. When's the vaccine coming? And am I going to get it? Who's going to get it? What does that mean for my business and my industry if I still have it? People who have kids at home, kids are asking questions. Kids have, my kids have asked me more questions in the past six months that I can't answer than they have their entire lives. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know? Yeah. When can we, when we, can we stop wearing masks? Are they going to have a basketball season this year? When do you think the vaccine will be? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so what is that the result of? Uh, people are, are distracted. They're, they're stressed and, and companies, this is what's happening and we're guilty, I think to an extent, but I'm getting way more email. I'm getting way more no offers to save the world and save my business and help me. And most of them are really bad. Right. And so customers are just completely uh, overwhelmed with stress, with information, with decisions, with things. They have to still drive their business. They still have to make decisions around lots of things, including the product or service you're offering. The result is, you know, we use this term receptivity. It means how emotionally they are they open to you or to your email or to your suggestion for a meeting. And the, and, and the, the answer is they're much less open. It's just yeah. harder to track people down. And, you know, so we're talking about problems. Uh, so, so the opposite of problems is the solution, right? That's what the podcast is for. Yeah. For those, this isn't new information, but it's just connecting what's important. Start with their whiteboard, lead with their whiteboard, make an extra phone call, to someone before you send them an email, make a phone call to someone else before you send an email to the decision maker to find out what's going on in their organization. What are they doing? What are they using? What are their problems? Read their press release, read their latest news article. Try to anticipate what are the things they're talking about in a recent meeting that you can potentially help with and connect those dots. Don't tell me you're a software firm. Don't tell me you save companies money because everyone saves me money. Don't tell me you've researched my webpage and think a partnership would be valuable, but don't say anything about what that partnership is or means <laughs> or anything. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, reread your own email. If you can, if you're changing the guy, the person's name and, and the company name, <laughs> that's not a very, that's not a very, targeted email around their whiteboard. So, so spend a little more effort to focus on the prospects you really want. And remember, 
it's harder to get their attention. Yeah. I mean, I just wrote a couple other things down, you know, this, this idea. And as the marketer, you know, in, in charge of this on our side, I have to be careful of this all the time. But, you know, it's not just email that seems to be following me around. I hear all these ads lately on the radio about pop up, some new pop-up blockers and new, um, you know, ad blockers that you can buy because so many companies are just popping stuff in your face. And there's no I guess there's nothing wrong with it from a marketing perspective other than it seems very self-centered, the stuff that you read, right? It's the same thing with these emails you were just talking about. And I think, I don't know, I, I mean, I think sales reps potentially are trying to get the most out of doing the least. I think that's probably a reputation we all have and have had for years. And so we can come across to these buyers as being very self-centered unless we do what you just said, which is take that extra time. We have time, right? We're not in the car all the time. We're not on planes to really craft a specific message that could be helpful to that person. And, you know, yeah, you may not make, send as many emails in a day or make as many phone calls in a day, but the ones you send are of higher quality and of more benefit uh, potentially to those, to those buyers. I think it's all, I just kind of summarize this, this section with this idea of a different mindset that you go into the, to the call or to the, the email. It's a, it's a, it's a, a shift to an other centered approach, right? And, and really focused on that whiteboard of that individual that you're going to be contacting. So change your pre-call mindset and always remember, you know, use the drop the rope sort of uh, contextual language in, in your, you know, obviously this may not be a fit at all, but with a few short questions, I can probably delineate for you if, if we can be of, of any assistance, right? And so, by using those two sort of, I don't know, setups, a better pre-call mindset and a drop-the-rope mentality, I think you're, uh, you're going to have success kind of getting through that diminished receptivity that we're noticing. Yeah, I think you have to put the BS meter on your email and read it and say, be honest. I mean, does that sound like some generic corporate marketing yeah. BS email? Or does it sound like something happened? I, mean, I, I would say I'd like to add two things post your summary, if that's okay, because I know that's... You're going to summarize my summary? I mean, no, I'm just going to add two things because <laughs> oh, you have an incomplete summary. <clears throat> Please feel free. Uh, yeah, one is uh, we mentioned this call thing. It is about outworking the competition. Yes. It is about doing one thing. So I would challenge all of you. All of you have, we use the word coach a lot. It means a lot of things, you know, someone who's helping us, but you can, a lot of times we, we talk about coaches who, we run into and they're really helpful to us and we can lean on them for information during the process, but, but we can go find our own coaches and in organizations that you sell to, in most cases, there's a, there's an, uh, there's an end user or there's someone who benefits in the company from your product or service that is at a low level. They're not the decision maker. They're not involved. They're, they're just people that are using your product, using your software, they, they see your services happening, whether it's from cleaning to hardware to, you know, any kind of professional services. And so figure out who those people are and find them and just ask them, tell them, call them up, find them on LinkedIn. We call salespeople. I have called hundreds of salespeople out mm -hmm. of the blue in preparation for a meeting and said, I am preparing for a meeting. I'm Mark with Aslan, preparing for a meeting with so-and-so, your VP of sales understand your salesperson. Is that right? Yeah. I don't want to take your time, but I was, I was hoping I could just ask you a couple of questions to, to 
to, to make sure that what we're doing would ultimately be helpful to you as a salesperson. Could I get your perspective on two or three quick questions? Getting yeah. their perspective is important. You're not asking for their decision. You're communicating to them, well, I'm not asking you to speak for the VP or speak for the company. It's your perspective. And what do I ask them? I ask them, what do you do? What are your challenges? What kind of training do you have? Uh, I might ask them how many reps they have. And that's it. It's, it's yeah. a 90-second conversation. Now when I send an email to the sales VP of sales or the VP of learning, I say, I've talked to some salespeople. And these are the things I hear going on. Now, I have some ideas. And I've seen many more, a much better response rate from that extra effort to get some homework done. Well, and I love that because what, have you, what else have you done? You've, you've created potentially some buy-in at the rep level because they were part of the process, even, it was, even though it was sort of an informal process. Um, and, 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 you know, obviously you've lent some credibility to that initial email that, that, you're, that you're sending. Um, you know, buy-in at the process level by the rep is, is a good segue to the second challenge, which we're seeing, which is, you know, the, the, sort of the, the theme of this podcast is about the new virtual buying process that, that prospects have to go through, but they really are using a different process altogether than, than maybe they were nine months ago. Uh, I mean, everything has changed inside of companies, right? I mean, there's all kinds of budget challenges. There's all sorts of, um, you know, uh, behavioral challenges. There's, there's, there's distance challenges. There's, you know, they're not in the same room. They're not making group decisions in a room on a whiteboard anymore. It's all, it's all done virtually. So this all lends itself to a different process. Uh, and I think in a lot of cases, they're not sure what to do, right? <laughs> <laughs> they, they sit there and they, and they go, we got to do something to, I don't know, in our case, help our sales reps sell more in this new environment, but we're not sure what that answer is. And so I think a lot of them are kind of hiding from reps. They're doing their, they're disappearing and doing more research or maybe having people do research for them. But what are your thoughts and what are you hearing with regard to some of the different, the different processes some of our clients are, are engaged in? Well, this is where we're, we're seeing a huge change. And, and I know we talked before, and I'm going to play an audible here. I know we talked before about, you know, they're using a different process and, and, and they think they can mass audit more yeah. solutions. As I, as I think about it, I'm going to combine those two things. It's like, okay, I'm still buying goods and services. I'm still pursuing new relationships with vendors or, my, or growing my existing relationships as a buyer, as a, as a, as a customer. Um, and, and what, uh, well, because of all the things above and because things are uncertain and because there's, there's much more of an acceptance, let's back up just nine months. Yeah. You know, it was our process. Our process was call up, have some discovery, have a, then, then follow up and have a little kind of content review, kind of high level over the phone slash online. And then go hop on an airplane. They can see if a group of six or eight people want to spend a couple hundred thousand dollars with people that they don't know. And so, <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah. so that that would take several weeks and it'd be thought through and thought out. And of course, right. This is the customer's perspective. Of course, we don't want you to fly. I mean, you know, people are respectful. They want you to waste your time flying there. They want to give you time. They want to make sure the right people are there. But now it's like, well, we can just do all this online. I saw the stats from, I think, LinkedIn's state of sales report about you know, 80, 84% of people uh, you know, have their decision largely made before they talk to a salesperson. Now, that, that's obviously across all kinds of industries and verticals. But we're trying to get more done. Yeah. Um, 
and, and that's why, honestly, that's why you see us posting more information about the cost of training, the best training partners. Like people want to do more research yep. ahead of time. So when they engage the salesperson, they're down the path. They think they've identified the problem. The, the decision makers are going to the evaluators and saying, find some companies, get some proposals, set up some meetings. I'm going to pop into some quick meetings and like do a dog and pony. And if I'm impressed, great. Here's the problem with all this. Yeah. They're making uninformed decisions. Right. Uh, you know, they're going with people who are willing to stop say some things and they're just, I mean, we're seeing it. We're seeing that the cycle time from discovery meeting to let's have a finals presentation later this week is, yeah. is dramatically quicker. And, and if we just dive into that, we're not prepared. We, it's, we, as, as, so how can we help as sellers? We, our job is to not, sell them our solution. It's to help them make the best decision. And part of that is saying, you know, based on what you're trying to decide, you know, do, do I have the right information? This is a phrase that we've used with some success. You know, are you looking for, are you looking for a, a presentation of general capabilities or are you looking for a recommendation of what you should do based on, in our case, 25 years of doing this? Yeah. So of course they're going to say, well, I, I want a recommendation. Great. If you want a recommendation, then I need more information from you, from your evaluator, from your people. We need some time. We need the right players in the room. And, and all those things are different because virtually it's like, well, I can just come and go, shoot. They're not even showing up to the presentation as a decision maker. They're just saying, just do the meeting, get a recording, and I'll watch the recording and hear me. We've, we've won some deals doing that. We've won deals where we've never talked to the decision maker. And it's not about what we like or don't like. It's about, is the customer really making the best decision? So when you put your other centered hat on and you ask yourself, do you think that can happen? Uh, and if you think they're, 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 they're not making a good decision, help them with their process. This happened recently to us. So right at the beginning of the pandemic, we decided that we were going to do a little patio area we've been talking about for a long time outside of our deck, <clears throat> put some stone down, uh, maybe do a little like built-in grill and all that kind of stuff in a fire pit. Okay, great. So what do we do? We started having, we started doing work virtually, go online, montanafirepits.com, great site, lots of videos, explains it all. Well, before we buy that, let's do something else. We call up this company, uh, Yale Appliance out of Boston, big firm. They have all these virtual appliance, uh, demos and they go through and they turn the fire pit on and they show us the flame and the fireplace and all these things. I mean, it's as well done as possible, but they're letting me drive the process. Yeah. Right. I think I know what I want. And we weren't going to spend a fair amount of money. We just stopped and said, you know what? Like I'm a little, why don't we just go somewhere local before things really kind of shut down. And so we drove up to Brassworks. I know I'm giving all kinds of local props to the, the Rhode Island stores, to you Rhode Island listeners, but saw, walked into Brassworks, walked in to see Jeff. And we said, hey, we had this idea, this dad, we want a fireplace for outside in the stone, et cetera. And he started asking us some questions and he started drawing some things out and he started saying like, well, you know, let's back up. And instead of just following our process, he drove the process. And what we realized is we were headed down the wrong path. We did something completely different. Instead of a fireplace, we had a fire pit 
and it was a thousand times better and it was awesome. So, so I know that's not exactly what we're talking about because we, we got out of the virtual process and we went in person and we don't have that ability today with some of our clients, but focus on the process to decide the process that your customers go through to make decisions on your product or service. That's because they're, they're doing something different. They're trying to evaluate. They think if they evaluate more vendors, they'll find exactly the better option and they're not throw more stuff against the wall. Something will stick. And, you know, I think there's, there's, you know, for those out there that are listening to this, that are actually also buyers, this is a danger zone um, of, of what you just described. You could wind up going completely down the wrong path the way you almost did in your buying decision. Um, when, and and we're, we're noticing the speed of these sell cycles picking up, but we're also noticing that potentially the, the amount of investment on the front end is lower. Now, none of this is necessarily a bad thing um, in and of itself, but if it's misguided in the initial decision-making, it can be because um, you could just be throwing good money away on a, on a bad pilot. But this is all stuff to be aware of as, as a sales rep and as a sales leader that, you know, these, these mass audit, this mass audit mentality, I'll just call it, of get evaluators to take the top of the funnel and take 10 people down to three, then I'll look at three and then we'll make a decision in a week. That's a danger that, that's out there right now that we really as sales reps need to try to, in an other-centered way, help convey the value of slowing down and really evaluating what it is you're trying to accomplish before you start making buying decisions. And I think yeah. in the virtual world, there's, there's many people just looking for, for shortcuts. And, um, and it, it doesn't, when you stop and think about it, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but that is what's happening. We're just noticing it constantly. Remember, we're always dropping the rope. If they want to follow that process, they can. If they're in a hurry, that's fine. We're happy to come along for the ride. The question, at some point, we do have to ask hard questions. We're always priming hard questions with the reason. Yeah. You know, but I really want to make sure I help you. Here's my question. Do do you want me to make a presentation or to make a recommendation? That's a really good question. Yeah. And talk about that and talk about the difference of those two things and what, what you need, yeah, you've been doing it from, for, for X number of years, but you would be sharing, you would be guessing what's relevant, what's comparative, and what would be helpful to them. Yeah. So if they, if they would be, if they'd be willing to back up, you could make a re- recommendation. If they just want a presentation, that's fine too. And then you ultimately decide how much time you spend on those things. That's right. Yep. Yep. And we've no, talked no about that a bullet. lot. Sometimes no silver bullet, but it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes saying no to something is, is the best decision for, for both of you. If you can't, if you can't, you can't in your own heart, believe you're going to deliver value based on what you know. Right. And sometimes we've said that sometimes we've said, if, you know, if this is where we are, you know, I don't think we'd be, we'd be of value to you. It's not about wasting your time as a seller. It's about not right. being valuable to the, to the, to the customer. And when we say no, sometimes they say, great, thank you very much. And, we never yeah. talk again and that's okay. Yeah. Sometimes they say, well, that's a good point. And, and what do you need from us? Well, we need to talk to some of your salespeople. We need these people in a meeting. We need some extra time. Okay, great. You got it. So it's uh, when you're working in sales, right? Time is your biggest resource. If you're working one deal, you're losing another. So yep. you have to just decide where your focus is. Well, and I think, you know, all of what we've talked about so far, especially this, this, this sort of mass audit mentality that's out there, um, you know, that puts a lot of, um, you know, not pressure, but stress and, and 
um, the, the prospects themselves go through a lot in this process. And so I think once we even get to a meeting or a presentation where we're trying to establish our value, whether it's the full recommendation or just sort of an overview of our capabilities, you know, I think clients are, are having trouble, prospects are having trouble paying attention because they think about it. The evaluator may have sat through 10 of these. <laughs> the decision maker is now going to sit through potentially three of these. And they're sitting in the same half hour, 45 minute, hour long Zoom meeting, and they're just struggling to pay attention, right? And this is, this is real. This is, this, this idea of Zoom fatigue, it's, it's, it's real. Like people just get tired of being in Zoom meetings. So this idea that they're going to, they're going to get the most value out of it without something almost heroic on your part to, to differentiate it is, is crazy. They're just, they're just not going to be able to consume all that you're, that you're putting down. So what, you know, how do you overcome that? Well, first of all, don't knock zoom because I'm a shareholder now, not a majority mm. shareholder, but I am a shareholder. And so, you know, <laughs> anything you say about zoom fatigue might hurt the stock price. Cause after all, this is a top podcast that has a huge influence in the market. Top 10% according to one third party agency. Yeah. One third of one third, top 10% of one third. <laughs> so is that 0.3? Exactly. Exactly. It's enough. Yes. I actually talked to a customer and I said, what do you think about all these virtual presentations? Yeah. And he says, I feel bad for the sales reps. He says, I'm bored. Yeah. This is, right. It goes back to C1 and 2. I'm distracted. I'm trying to, I'm trying to look at more options. And so I find myself in more hour-long virtual presentations. In a lot of cases, I'm home, tired of being in my home, tired of being in my office, not keeping my shower personal grooming schedule as well as I should. Maybe that's just me, but you know, Mr. Pot. I hope people are showering. Mr. Okay. Pot. Mr. Okay. Pot. Uh <laughs> And, you know, they're sitting there and they're saying, I'm just going through these things. And, and, and I, I want to, I mean, they are trying to make decisions, but they're just having a hard time discerning and keeping, keeping their mind on what's in front of them. And as sales reps, we don't help them because we're God awful boring on the presentation. Yeah. We don't know how to use the technology. We're figuring stuff out. Uh, there's a whole pile of podcasts on this that we've covered, but but if I were to just give people, you know, two things, two or three things to think about, it's it's these. Uh, number one, you 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 have to be better than everybody else. Not way better, but just better. The average person gets on, fumbles around with stuff doesn't sound good, doesn't have a great background. I think I looked the other day, looked at what percentage of people have fans or bad lighting or just distractions in their background. Doesn't have to be amazing, just needs to be not distracting. Yeah. You're the focus. In fact, Teams, I saw Teams recently came out with a blurred background. So you click on it and your existing background just blurs. Like it oh, literally that's blurs. Cool. So therefore right. it's just you, right? Yeah. It's just you. Uh, but the, the just 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 be spend fifty bucks and get a Bluetooth earpiece. Like just sound decent. Don't have this. Don't have the bad speakerphone effect going on. And here, I was on the call the other day, and there was someone was in the city, and there was like sirens going on outside. It's like so distracting. <laughs> you haven't even started. Right. So 
as a sales rep, just be tight. Uh, be tight in how you look, how you sound, know how to use the technology, great. Uh, let's talk about attention. We've landed on two things that are important in keeping attention. Give them something to do and movement is key. Give them something to do. Make them physically do something, even in a virtual environment, which your only real options for something to do are polls mm-hmm. or chat. Yep. And if you're using a tool that doesn't do chat, at least, and some poll, then you're using a bad tool. Yeah. And the first poll is something that's an icebreaker. It's something about what's the best part of, you know, working virtually, I'm in my pajamas, or you can sort of, if you're, if you're kind of a local, you know, if you're local and you know everyone's connected to the local sports team, you can ask about, you know, how well do you think the Eagles played last night, for an example, and those type of things. So, Not well. Exactly. Well, this is, that wasn't really a poll, it's an example. Uh, Didn't you ask one one time about, you know, number of people in the audience wearing pants? I think yeah, that's I mean, an icebreaker of sorts. Sure, sure. I mean, I, no? Clarify. Shorts, I mean, you know, it's <laughs> clarifier. Yeah. <laughs> And then what, the person that stood up to show us? I mean, yeah, yeah I, that was a little awkward. Those were awkward boxers, and they shouldn't probably have had those on live TV. But, but we learned this early on. And we, and we in, in our program, we actually have some video of a screen of 15 people, and mm-hmm. we launch a poll. And you watch the 15 people lean forward. In other yeah. words, like I was kind of just kind of doing something here and yeah. there, but now I've leaned forward. And so when we give them something to do, whether, hey, I'm going to have a chat, respond to this via chat or click a button. It's something to do. It gets their attention. Part two is movement keeps their attention because the poll or the chat was a surprise. It puts people on notice that this is going to be an interactive meeting despite their other 200 non-interactive virtual meetings. Once they're on notice that they're going to have to be involved, they kind of need to pay attention. One, because they don't want to be embarrassed. Two, they're curious to see what happens next. So keep it coming. More chats and polls are great. But the other movement, let's say where we've really landed is the other key, the easiest movement to make is just shift between your PowerPoint slides and the uh, and just the video. So in other yeah. words, share your screen, here's slides. When you're done talking about the screen for two or three minutes, stop. Just hit stop, share, and put the room back. Talk to people, look at people, look at people's facial expressions, right? Yeah. Hey, Joe, you, you seem to be hesitating. I see you scratching your head. Like, is that clear? That Talk to me, just like you would do in a room. So keep it moving by going between sl- toggling, we call that slides to, to people. Uh, video is a great way. If your company has a video, 30, 60, 90 second video to highlight a product, to demo something, it's different. It's interesting. Make sure you learn how to do it. Play your computer sound. Practice it. Make sure your bandwidth is good. But play the video. It's interesting. It's different. You want to go beyond that? Have a second camera. Almost every tool. I've seen Teams and Zoom have second cameras. Click on it and have it stuck on a flip chart on your wall. Little flip chart stickers, 10 bucks at Staples. Tapes up on the wall, doesn't take your stuff, doesn't take your paint off, hang the flip chart, and draw, animate, do quadrants, do a circle, get their input for a list. Two or three or four things in a half hour, 60 minute meeting has a huge impact on keeping it moving and keeping them interested, paying attention. The result is they actually ask you the follow-up questions 
and they're much more engaged in the decision-making process with you leading it. Yeah. Well, you've, yeah, you differentiate yourself and, and, you know, what, uh, not remembering what client said this, but the idea that good enough isn't good enough anymore. Uh, and so if you do what you used to do, you're, you're, you're part of the flock and you need to differentiate yourself with some of the, some of the tips that Mark just rolled through. Um, I think the final one, the final piece that you and I talked about was just being better with your verbal skills. Um, you know, that when you're in a face-to-face environment, you can overcome a lot with your, with your, you know, your abilities in front of a crowd. Um, when you're on technology, on a phone call or, or a Zoom meeting, your verbal skills are more accentuated, aren't they? Well, your body language in person goes away on virtual yeah. meeting, right? Yeah. Your hand gestures, your leaning in, your movement, uh, you're just more inclined to be, we've tested this, there's been research, you're more inclined to be uh, animated verbally and your tone changes when you're in a room, in a big room versus you're feel like you're stuck behind a little box of a computer. So we teach things, you know, we talk about things like word pictures. You, you have to be better about exactly what you're going to say. What are the four or five key points that I am going to make? And they're, they're powerful and they're clear. And all those things are practiced probably more than we actually currently practice them. But we have to be better at our verbal skills because our dress for success and our ability to quote unquote own a room is, is it's not gone. It's just changed and you need to own the virtual environment and that's okay. It's just different. So this was not really about a, here's the problem as a seller. This is about, this is the problem your customers are having in buying. So help them, help them, help them. I love it. I love that we took, another centered approach to our podcast and turn this around to what is most important, most challenging to our prospects. And I think it's been a great topic. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Make sure you uh, like and share the podcast, certainly drop comments uh, on LinkedIn and let us know what you think and give us topics for the future. And uh, we'd love to keep, uh, keep this going. This is episode 81. So we've, uh, we've been at this a while. Hopefully we're adding value every week. Mark, any parting words before we uh, let this group go attack? I would say nothing that would be FCC approved at this point. So uh, we should just let it go and continue to stay on air. Absolutely. I'm not sure the FCC has ruling jurisdiction. over. I was going to say one thing back to the first point. Yeah. You're not a very good podcaster today. I said earlier on after your summary, I have two points to make. I made one and you cut me off and you moved to the next one. I'd like to make the second point. No. About all the emails, I knew what it was. About all the emails and all the ads and all the things that I'm getting. Here's the other thing I'm getting recently, not recently, but for the last several months. I don't think it's tied to the pandemic. I think it's tied to a uh, ruling uh, in Washington D.C. about about you know privacy. Mm. But I have accepted literally thousands of cookies on the internet. I've accepted cookies. Don't you get the little bonuses? Do you? You do. Yeah. Yeah. I've accepted thousands. I want to know where they are and do you think it'll make me gain weight over the holidays? I That's do. The no, these are low calorie cookies. These are okay. low cal cookies. Okay. You're going to be fine. Okay. They don't taste yeah. very good. No, they have no taste. They taste like air, but okay. uh, no, this great, great topic. Thanks so much for, for joining. And Mark, thank you for all of the knowledge you've been dropping on these folks. You guys can also uh, look up an ebook on our website called five colossal challenges of selling virtually some of the solutions we talked about are in that ebook. It's a great uh, resource for you going forward. 
And we will see you all next week on another episode of Ales with Aslan.